welcome to our latest In The Know podcast, where I'm joined this afternoon by one of our financial planners based in DIS, Sean Braybrook. Afternoon, Sean. Afternoon, Neil. Great stuff. Well, we're, we're here to have a chat about retirement and what it means for clients, but I understand there's a bit of a personal interest you have this afternoon. <laughs> yes, there is, but it's it's complete coincidence. As at the date of recording, it's actually my mum's 66th birthday today. So she reaches her state pension age today. So happy birthday, mum. I did post a card. But I say complete coincidence. She doesn't think actually the state pension is particularly high and going to do everything that she needs from it. I mean, I've already had a quick look at the differences between what the state pension is now and what it looked like like in the very first state pension in 1909. So perhaps oh. if I kick off by telling you what that looked like, and uh, yeah. she might not feel as bad as, as she did. Because in 1909, the actual equivalent to what they get now is £30 a week. And that's only if you were, had income of less than £72 a week. But right. the big thing is that you'd only get it from age 70. And that was at a time where the life expectancy was age 52. So there wasn't even a particularly good chance that you'd even get it in the first place. And if you did, there's a chance that you'd actually have it reduced if you had too much furniture. If you're habitually drunk, you wouldn't get it at all. Or if you're a person of bad character, you wouldn't get it either. She should count herself quite lucky that she's getting something, I think. I think she probably should. How, time, how times have changed, because that, that sort of leads, leads me on a little bit, because you're quite right. The state pension, when it first came in, wasn't actually payable to very many people, was it? It was quite a small proportion of the population. Yeah, I think it's about 5% of people would, would actually ever get there. So yeah. uh, a lot more now. Yeah, and I'm sure, I saw, I'm, I'm sure I read somewhere that the expectation was, even for those people who did get there, the period of time that they would actually be receive, receiving it for was relatively short. And you're looking at uh, sort of at least 20 years now, on average. Um, That's right. Completely different world. I was looking at that earlier earlier today, actually, that the, the average life expectancy for a male of 65 now is 20 years. And mm. the average life expectancy for a woman of the same age is 22 years. Well, that's actually quite a long time. And if you haven't planned for that, and not so much, I'm not so much thinking from a financial perspective, actually, I'm thinking about what are you going to do with your time? I don't know what your experience is, Sean, but certainly when I go and talk to clients about retirement planning and I actually ask them to describe for me what retirement is, quite a lot of them can't really describe for me what they're going to be doing other than perhaps a bit of travel, playing a bit of golf, doing a bit of reading, that kind of thing. But beyond that, not an awful lot of thought thought has gone into it. Yeah, I think most people have an idea as to when they're going to get there. But as you said, probably not what they're going to do other than the, the general things that they've heard retirement is about, but how they fill their days is uh, perhaps a complete mystery. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a mystery. And I think that's quite important, actually, because I I'm, certainly when I'm talking to clients about retirement, I do ask them, well, what's it going to look like? What are you going to be doing with your time? How are you going to fill your time? Because otherwise, you could lose all sense of self-esteem, actually, to be quite honest, which is quite important. Absolutely. Yeah, you want to feel like you've got a meaningful retirement. You don't want to have saved up all your money and then not really done anything in retirement with it either. So it's it's a bit of a balancing act to get it right. If you plan properly, then it gives you the freedom to be able to make choices as to what you do, when you do it, how you do it, for how long you do it, what memories you create for people, all that kind of stuff. I think probably the earlier you can start that planning, the, the more likely is that you're going to be able to then follow through with that plan as well. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, again, I've been looking at a lot of statistics with regards to what makes a sort of successful retirement and and some of the numbers behind it, uh, you know, are probably going to be quite eye-watering for some in terms of making what they want to happen in retirement actually transpire. I mean, I've been looking at the uh, the Pension and Lifetime Savings Association as to what makes the absolute minimum requirement in retirement 
versus a sort of moderate or comfortable retirement. And, and in essence, if, if you were going to get the full state pension now, you also need about £103,000 in a pension pot to have the most basic of retirements and retirement incomes. And so um, that's covering the basic stuff, the, the, that, the that is, day-to-day living. That's yeah. just energy, food. That's not uh, not including running a car or any luxuries, any holiday, anything like that. It's just, it's just surviving. And so mm. that would need, say, a pension pot of 103000 And the average pension pot for people retiring now is 107000 so it's it's pretty much saying that uh, for the average person retiring, you are going to have pretty much exactly what you need to live the minimum possible standard standard in retirement. And of course, nobody wants to have the minimum possible standard because that's when we've got the time to go and do other things. Yes, exactly. I, th- I think you mentioned there about the pension pot because, of course, it's not just the pension pot, is it, when it comes to retirement that could potentially deliver an income to people? You've got to look at everything, really. And uh, I think when it comes to financial planning in particular, we, we see a lot of clients these days who just assume that, yes, the pension is for retirement and other things serve other purposes. But in reality, when you, when you meet with clients, a lot of the time I'm saying, well, actually, why are you using your pension in this scenario? Why don't you look at using an ISA as well or any other investments that you've got or sources yeah. of income? Because yeah. it isn't it isn't just a case, you know, it used to be a case that say, you could be taxed at rates of potentially up to 80% upon death. And therefore, you'd spend all your pension as much as you possibly could within your lifetime. But now yeah. it, it, it's not that clear cut. The tax rules have changed. Uh, and sometimes it makes sense to, to look at other, other avenues as well. The, the tax rules are quite important because they can have a big impact on somebody's pension fund or pension income depending on where, how they're delivering it. If they're delivering it from a pension fund alone, you can't actually avoid paying income tax then. But if no. they've got an ISA, which can generate tax-free income, well, that's a different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I get asked so many times over the years, what's the best thing to put my money in? Is it a pension? Is it an ISA? Or is it something else? And there's been lots of studies to say, well, statistically, probably from a tax perspective, better to put it into a pension. But the real answer is it depends. It depends on hmm. what your tax rate is on the way in, what it is on the way out, and what rules might change along the way. So we never can be sure. I think the important thing is, like in in so many things in life, is you want to diversify, really, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Diversify where your money is, (laughs) diversify how it's invested, diversify even how you might be taking that income. It might vary from one year to another. Just because this year you might say, well, actually, I'm going to take it from my ISA, but next year, they might increase the um, personal allowance to a point where you think, well, actually, I can take a bit more out of my pension without having to suffer tax on it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I always suggest to clients to have various different pots if possible, so that whatever the laws might be at the time, we can make a decision mm. at any given moment to say, OK, this year, take some money from your ISA. This year, take some money from your pension uh, or mm-hmm. whatever the solution might be. It might be something different that we haven't mm-hmm. seen yet. But as long as you've got the options, that gives you a good chance. I must admit, over, over the years, I have probably stressed to most of the clients I've dealt with that my job is to provide them with the freedom to be able to make a choice, the freedom to be able to make a choice as to when they retire, the freedom to make a choice as to how their income is being delivered. So they're not reliant upon any one particular strategy because that strategy could be destroyed by all sorts of things that could potentially happen to it that we've mm-hmm. got no control over. Exactly. Yes. I mean, uh, a, a lot of people will focus on uh, what 
pension funds are doing, what markets are doing at any moment in time. They may not play ball. They might be dipping at the time you want to take your pension. Um, mm-hmm. they, you know, you might go through a period of a couple of years as we are now, just before yeah. retirement. So you, I don't think you can pin everything on one single strategy to say, when I get there, here's exactly what I'm going to do. You yeah. really do, do have to sort of spread the risk and, and, and keep your options open. Yes, you do. And, and, and sometimes it takes a conversation with a third party, for example, somebody like you or somebody like me or any of our colleagues to realise some of these options that are available to people. Yeah, absolutely. Even then, even if you do decide, uh, yes, it's going to be a pension that I'm, I'm funding more than anything else. Uh, there are still different ways of, of drawing on that pension when you get there. Mm-hmm. It's not just a case of, OK, how much am I drawing this year? It could be a case of, am I buying an annuity? Am I going down drawdown pension route? Uh, is it is it something else? And again, those the rules behind these sorts of things will change quite regularly. Yeah. And for those people who have been paying uh, attention this year, you'll probably notice that interest rates and therefore annuity rates have gone up quite significantly. So we're yes. having very different conversations with our clients this year yes. than we were two years ago, for example. It's all got to be considered. And as I say, no one strategy fits all. Yeah. The other thing that is also changing that I've found, certainly, is the number of clients who perhaps we were looking to retire completely, who now are looking to semi-retire. So rather than retire in one big go and say, that's it, I've got to the age of 65, I'm going to stop work now, I'm going to start drawing on all of my investments, pensions, call it what you will. I'm seeing an increasing number of people who are turning around saying, well, actually, I still feel capable to do what I've always done. I still feel as I can contribute something, but I don't want to do it five days a week anymore. Mm. I want to do it three days a week anymore. But I don't want to compromise on my lifestyle. So I want to phase this in a bit. Absolutely. I'm seeing more and more people who are uh, less dependent on retiring on a single day. Uh, What I am seeing quite a bit of is people who are stopping their full time job and perhaps carrying on with their same employer, but in a a different role, perhaps most likely a a lower paid role, lower pressure. But it means that they don't have to be sort of stuck at home not really knowing what they're doing and also accepting a, a much lower income. So it just sort of builds in a bit of a transition period for them. And, and it's usually for a period of a, a couple of years, uh, yes. as, I, as I'm seeing it. So again, it's just not so much of an upheaval all at once. Yeah, I'm, I must admit, when you get that sort of sudden cliff edge, as it were, that, oh, I've got to 65 or 66, whatever it is, and all of a sudden I'm not going into my office or I'm going to my factory or I'm going to my shop anymore. Mm. Oh, this is a bit strange. What do I, what do I now do? I spend quite a lot of time actually talking about the emotional side of retirement as much as I do the financial side of retirement. Yeah. Because if I, haven't, if I don't understand the emotional side and the lifestyle that the client is looking to enjoy when they retire, I can't really do an awful lot about the financial side of it because I don't know how much it's going to cost them. Yeah, absolutely. So the again, the earlier they can start having conversations, particularly with their employer as well. A lot of people, again, think they'll get to retirement and they will have a conversation with their boss on the sort of last day or or thereabouts and say, right, okay, I'm now retiring. Do I stay on for a little bit or not? Actually, I would say have those conversations a year or two in advance, get a really good feel for what they're looking at in terms of how much time they're going to be in the office, uh, how much money they're they're going to get, you know, the whole picture, because then that that really helps us to help them. Yeah. I'm going to throw a few other numbers at you because Gallup, the poll people, they do an annual survey, global survey. They report that the average person in the world spends 81,396 hours of their life working for somebody else. 
and then that then that got me thinking i thought okay so if we take the average male who retires at 65 and bearing in mind that if you're retired you're not just thinking about an eight-hour working day you're probably talking about a day of i don't know 16 hours probably if you allow eight hours for sleep and something like that how many hours have you got using average life expectancy and i, I did a quick calculation and it's 116,800 hours so the average retiree here in the UK is going to be retired for more time than on average they would have been employed. That's actually quite an interesting number in my head because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, hmm, what are they going to do with those 116,000 hours? And how have they planned for it? Yes, <laughs> but particularly if it's on a budget, because that's a lot of time to fill if you haven't got any money to spend in retirement, isn't it? It is really important that people, as you said earlier on, that they plan early, not just totally looking at the financial side of things, but they also plan what they're going to be doing with their time. I think the importance, I would say, if I were somebody out there seeking help for my future, I think a very good start would be to go and talk to somebody like you, somebody like me, about the emotional side of things. What does retirement look like? And then how can we fund that retirement and put them in the put them on the right path I, I think so and and that's all stages of life that's not just for people who are coming up to retirement in the next year or two that could be people yeah. who are 20 or 30 years away because there are things to consider along the whole journey I mean I think at the moment a lot of people are just assuming that retirement will be fine because they're auto enrolled into their company pension for example yeah and I, I think statistically we've been told in the past you probably need to be putting about 15 percent of your salary uh, every year into your pension in order to mm -hmm. sort of get a decent retirement income. Well, actually, auto enrollment pensions are 8% and that's probably not on your whole salary. So a yeah. lot of people may yeah. sort of be just be drifting towards retirement, thinking things are okay. Uh, and yeah. actually, they might have a sort of shock when they get there. The other thing that people often forget in actual fact is the earlier you start, the easier it is. We all finish school, we start a job, we perhaps meet somebody, we get married, we have children, we take on a mortgage. Our finances are under pressure. We don't necessarily have that much spare cash around. So we perhaps defer mm. making any savings until our liabilities are a bit lower. But by then, if we haven't done anything at all, we've really got to set aside quite a lot of our disposable income to give ourselves a pot of money that we can use when we do retire. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a difficult one to manage because we, you know, like myself, you probably get lots of people through the door who haven't really looked at pension planning much, but they might yeah. be sort of well into their 50s by the time they're saying, right, I've got some money to put towards pensions. Mm. And that's great. At least they are looking mm -hmm. at it and doing it. But as you say, if if you start putting moderate sums in sort of late 20s, early 30s, you will probably have to put a lot less in over the course um, yeah. to get to the same position or if not better. So yeah, yeah the, the, the earlier you can do it or, or if you've got family members uh, sort of younger than yourself that you want to encourage, the, the earlier the better on that. It, it does take the pressure off. Time is, is one of these things that is such a good source of, of growth uh, within pensions yeah. so you, you yeah. never quite know where market growth is going to come from and, and when okay. but but we we are pretty certain that over the long term it will come through so if yeah. you, the, you know the longer you've been doing it the more chance you've got of actually having uh, some very, very decent prospects for the future yeah and of course time is one of those things that we can't replace isn't it whereas we do have the chance to potentially replace monies that we haven't saved in our later years if we have the disposable income to do so but going back to your point there i think that's probably why we had auto-enrolment introduced a few years ago that at least people started contributing something, perhaps maybe not as much as they should be, 
but they have at least got a foundation that they can build on. It, yeah, it is something, but let's say we still need to encourage people to look at these things. I, I know so many people sort of my own age, I, I'm, I'm 42 for the record, for, for people who don't know, and so many people of my age know they've got a pension, but have no particular idea of what it's worth, what they're paying in, or what it might be worth by the time they get to retirement. So just yeah. more engagement is, you know, is, is the real key. And the earlier you yeah. can do that, the more important it will be. But it's encouraging people to actually have that engagement. Is it? It's encouraging people to recognise that just having a chat can make a massive difference to their future outcome and their future lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've, you've got to start somewhere. We don't just jump straight in with talking numbers and projections and retirement incomes. You know, when people walk through the door, it's a lot more subtle than that, I think, to start with. I come back to the very simple premise that accumulating capital in whatever way you choose to accumulate it gives you the freedom to be able to make choices, which gives you the opportunity to create a return on your life, really. And none of us know how long we're on this planet for. But what we don't want to be is on our deathbed and regret actually not maybe living the life that we could have led had we planned appropriately. That's it. It's just planning all around, isn't it? People shouldn't fear coming to have a chat with yourself, me or indeed any of our colleagues about about their planning for retirement, because we can probably steer them in the right direction just after just a brief chat. Simple as that. Absolutely. Even if it's just a case of reassuring them that they're all on track already. Sean, I think that's been an interesting conversation and I hope that our listeners have enjoyed that as well this afternoon. Thank you very much for your time, Sean. No, no problem. Happy to be here. Brilliant. To all of our listeners, thank you very much for tuning in to this latest podcast and look forward to you joining us again for our future podcast.